our vision is through these stories, the community will become stronger by addressing and highlighting the capacity, you know, in, in the community. And every place we go when we talk about extraordinary women, we were always, you know, um, responded with, yes, I know someone, you know, that I can nominate. Welcome to Everything is Spiritual, a podcast from Soul Care Urban Retreat Center. We're talking with local folks, faith leaders, creatives, thinkers, and community advocates, getting personal about their faith and spirituality and how it shows up in their daily life and work. I'm Kelly Skinner, your host, and I'm sharing these heart-centered conversations to invite you to become more aware that everything is spiritual and to deeply connect with what is most true and alive in your own everyday life. Hello, seekers, and welcome to Everything is Spiritual. My guest today is Feely Sebastian, a retired clinical psychologist in Bloomington, Illinois. She's the co-developer of a nonprofit startup called Dreams Are Possible, which strives to help women find sustainable employment by providing them with free training and materials to learn trade jobs. Feely published her first book in September 2020. It's called Broken and Beloved, A Journey of Discovery. It traces the labyrinth of her life, beginning in the Philippines as a child in a very large family, working for her parents' store, and then teaching elementary school in the Philippines before immigrating to the United States in 1981, and continuing in education in Ohio. Along the way, she explored the Catholic Sisterhood, lived in an ashram in India, and earned her PhD in counseling. Part of that personal and spiritual discovery led to the development of an organization called Labyrinth Outreach Services for Women in 2005. It's a nonprofit organization that provides comprehensive aid to formerly incarcerated women when they return to the community. And that organization was actually taken over by the YMCA of McLean County in 2016. Feely has continued to pursue community collaborations that benefit the disenfranchised, and she has a special heart for working with women. Her newest endeavor is co-founding the Extraordinary Women Project, which recognizes the quiet efforts, tenacity, and perseverance of those who identify as women in McLean County by sharing their stories in the spirit of celebration and with the aim of inspiring others. And I've been inspired by my conversation, and I hope you will be too. So let's just jump right in. Good morning, Feely. It's just so nice to see you and and talk with you again. And your book really traces your labyrinth of life. And I love the front cover of it because it has a labyrinth on it. And I'm personally pretty partial to labyrinths. But what does that image and the icon and the symbol, the metaphor of the labyrinth represent to you? Okay. You know, for me, uh, labyrinth is an internal path. And in the center of any labyrinth, for me, in the center is God and me. So I walk this path 
which for me, again, also is an inner journey, a looking within to learn about myself as I make the turns, you know, and twist and all that. And uh, not just about learning about myself, but also about others and God and how all these people in my life and God are all interconnected or interrelated. Even the dead ends, I call them dead ends, you know, are lessons for me to draw from. Mm. And one of the things about a labyrinth that I think is especially amazing is that it doesn't really have those dead ends where yeah. it ends for you. It has a path inward and then a path uh -huh. outward again. Uh -huh. exactly. So how do you think that's shown up for you? <laughs> well, I just named them, you know, uh, dead ends, but they are really not, you know. When there are things that I plan, you know, to do and it's not happening, it's time for me to pause, whether, you know, to pause from what I am doing or whatever it is that is in front of me. It's telling me that it's time to pause and pause is always, you know, good because then I am able then to see things from a different perspective or, you know, hear things from, again, you know, I might be hearing the same advice or the same, you know, reflections from others, but I might be somewhere else, you know, and so the pause or the dead ends are really helpful, mm. you know, for me. Yeah. So sometimes you're forced sometimes we are forced to pause because of uh -huh. circumstances in our lives. And sometimes mm -hmm. we make a choice to pause. Sometimes that can be a little bit harder to actually make yeah. that conscious choice. But mm -hmm. what advice would you have for people to help them choose to pause? Choose to pause um, for me would be listening to your body. When your body is telling you, it's aching, you know, in some parts, you know, of my body. Like, for example, currently now, it's my right shoulder uh, that's giving me this pain. It was diagnosed, you know, as a rotator cuff. But I'm doing, you know, the best I can to treat it. But at the same time, it's a pause, you know, for me. Just to relax and see things again, you know, from a different, you know, perspective. Um I see those as a um, way to choose to pause because on my own, I would not pause because I am, <laughs> I am driven by goals and time. I think there's a lot of people who, you know, external forces try to make us rush ahead. And uh -huh. sometimes you just have to listen to your body and... Mm -hmm make that choice to uh -huh. slow down and pause and see if that time is right for you and not for everybody else. Exactly. That, that's a skill. That's a, <laughs> that's a skill that not I, enough of us have. I'm not perfect, you know, and so <laughs> I, that's an insight, you know, that I learn pressure from outside, you know, can be very uh, strong I found out for the last couple of days when I was resting over the weekend that my shoulder has become, you know, better. I can move, no, you know, better now. But the other day, a friend of mine dropped off plants from the church and they needed to be in the ground. And I know that the frost is coming pretty soon. Well, what did I do? 
I took the showbell and then, you know, and so I said, yeah, you know, you're on your way to getting better. But somebody else's, you know, pressure put, you know, followed the somebody else's, you know, uh, timetable or maybe even nature for that matter. <laughs> so I was thinking this morning, what would have happened if you didn't put those plants in the ground? I had enough, you know. Mm-hmm. But this word in Filipino, we say sayang or wasteful. Mm-hmm. I cannot just, you know, let the plants just die, you know, there. So I don't know. So I'm still in the process. <laughs> so mm-hmm. I haven't gotten there yet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's mm-hmm. it's interesting. So you do a lot of work that's really centered and focused on uh, women and mm-hmm. women kind of helping and lifting up other women, whether it's the labyrinth outreach that supports incarcerated women or your newest initiative, which is the Extraordinary Women Project. And I feel like women are some of the ones that struggle with those inclinations the most, Mm -hmm. Um, not being wasteful of trying to serve the needs of other people. And so in your experience with women, how do you give them that advice and support to be able to recognize that inclination and maybe maybe stop and pause and, and do something mm-hmm. different? One of the ways is uh, sharing. Because for me, sharing with others, you know, draw strength, you know, and insight also, you know, of how they may have, you know, um, to do things. I said sharing and also looking at history, you know, of other women, you know, you will look at the history of how women really were the trailblazers, you know, of inventing things, whether it is, you know, about medicine or science or spiritual, you know. Uh, Dorothy Day was a very powerful, you know, woman who started, you know, the soup kitchen, you know, and really revolutionized, you know, that uh, idea. Uh, I really fully believe that women are really powerful and resourceful. They, I think, I believe that they have that instinct in them, but they are not, many of them, you know, may not be fully aware that they do have it. But when we look at history of these women who have done marvelously and also connected with other women, I cannot remember the names of all these women, but they were the women who uh, did all the recordings about the NASA, and they made a film about it. These are three or four women who were the ones who did all the data and was really in, in charge or the power behind the shuttles and all the, the uh, rockets. The hidden you know. figures. The hidden figures. Yes, you? that's the yeah, one. Hidden the black figures. women. Yep. who did the math calculations yes. in their heads. Exactly, exactly. You know, it's that idea that if other, you know, women can do it, I can do it also. Just lifting again, you know, the other, you know, women who have done it. And even in their own ways, you know, they can do that. It may even be just, you know, a simple way of handling their own daily struggles or challenges. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So for you, where do the roots 
of that come from? What kinds of things happened in your own personal life that made you passionate about the connections between women and uplifting women? I give credit to my mom and my grandma. My mother, as far as I know, helped everyone, but especially, you know, women. Women who are struggling economically, women who were battered or abused. My mom had a store we call Sari Sari store. It's like a 7-Eleven. She sold everything from perishable goods to non-perishable. And she bought uh, things in bulk like rice, salt, uh, flour, you know, fish sauce. And as kids, we would be around the dining table on weekends and uh, evenings, and we would repack them in small uh, plastic containers mm -hmm. so that her customers, especially mothers, women, can feed their children because they cannot buy them in bulk. They're very expensive. And so she can sell them in as 50 cents, 25 cents, or a dollar, you know. Um, she, she experienced that from her own mother who did the same thing when she was young. She told me that as a kid, you know, she would carry this big basket on her head with all, you know, uh, small things that they had put together the night before, and they would sell it to other women who were and men also who were constructing a, a big dam in the Philippines around that time. Um, my mother also has a big heart for women who were abused. I did not know they were abused, but as a kid, she had a friend, a laundry woman of my aunt, and would come, you know, almost weekly with bruises on her face and her body and just sobbing, you know. Uh, and I would hear, you know, my mom's, you know, quiet, encouraging voice, uh, showing her her options about the kind of life, you know, that she led. Um, later on, when I had to make a choice what uh, majors I would get when I was doing my uh, master's um, degree, I chose counseling because that experience really got imprinted, you know, in my mind. You know. mm -hmm. yeah. That's really neat. And how do you help women now? First is by listening, you know, and not to make, you know, a uh, rush judgment because anybody, I mean, including, you know, myself, you know, could in my head, you know, run through, you could have done this or you could have done this, you know, and all that. But each person's, you know, stories and life is, different. Their circumstances are different. So I got I help them by listening and see what their options are and uh, challenge, you know, them uh, what would happen if they go this direction or another, you know, direction. It is hard. Like I think, you know, I shared with you that one of the things that I have seen with formerly incarcerated women that I have helped and continue to help is the desire to be loved and to belong. And when that is not met as a child growing up, the tendency is to carry it over as an adult and look for a man who will fulfill that emptiness. And um, because of that strong need, they made decisions about their lives to their detriment. Mm -hmm. 
they only see one thing like I had when I was, you know, involved with this unhealthy relationship. I saw the goodness of this man that I was with. He was spiritual and kind, but he was not really, you know, fulfilling, you know, what I thought should be in a relationship. But I was stubborn, you know, and I said, you know, it is he I want and I'll do it, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, I was not able to see the red flags or the signs because mm -hmm. I was blinded by my own desire, by my own longing, you know, to be loved and to be number one in somebody else's, you know, life, you know. Mm -hmm. So, um, Yeah, and I think a lot of us have that within us. I mean, I don't mm -hmm. think it has to be somebody who has made some decisions that got them incarcerated or mm -hmm. people, it doesn't have to be these majorly detrimental things, but I think a lot of us make mm -hmm. decisions and put ourselves in positions or make mm -hmm. choices in our lives because we have that underlying desire to be loved and accepted. Yeah. And we're not even aware of it sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So one of the, um, I found it fascinating at one point when you were living and studying in Ohio, you be considered to become a Catholic nun, but uh, decided to leave the convent. And in your book, you talked about the experience of discerning your vocation gave you a gift of prayer, particularly centering prayer, which is another way to say contemplative prayer. Yeah. Um, and so can you... Talk about what that centering prayer is and how maybe you use that tool to be able to be aware of some of these mm -hmm. desires that we've talked about mm -hmm. um, and how they're showing up. I discovered centering prayer when I was in the convent. I didn't even know that there was a name to it. Uh, but what it is, is really uh, consenting to be present to the presence, which is a le big letter P. And it's a type of prayer where one is silent, usually for 10 to 20 minutes. Any thought that comes to mind is treated like a boat uh, passing through a river. You know, uh, you don't entertain any thoughts, or I don't entertain any thoughts, try my best, you know, uh, not to. Um, and even if they are good insights, you put them aside. And my way of doing it is my continuous focusing on my breathing so that I let go of any expectations of what that 15 or 20 minutes might be. So you're there really receptive to whatever might happen as the Holy Spirit, you know, guides you. Um, the time is set every day maybe six o'clock in the morning or seven o'clock and also at the same place. I have designated a prayer room in my house, um, which is really very helpful, including the time, because when I wake up, my mind is already set that the first thing I'm going to do is sit and do my centering prayer. Mm -hmm. I've been practicing it now for over 40 years and my day isn't complete when I skip it. I feel like I miss meeting someone special at the designated place and time. So it has become my anchor, you know, to God. 
And in my centering prayer, I also practice Lectio Divina. It is a contemplative, you know, part of prayer also where you go to the scripture and read a paragraph or that you have, you know, uh, chosen. And then after reading it for a couple of times, I just let the word or a phrase or even a sentence speak to me. And then whatever that is becomes the word for the day. For example, at the beginning of the year, I got hooked on the line, I live to do God's will, which was part of a song or part of the prayer that Mary, um, Mary, the mother of Jesus, you know, had when she was announced to be the mother of Jesus, you know. Um, it stayed for me for several weeks and I almost kind of like, you know, I digested every word, you know, of it and would follow me whatever, you know, I was going to do during, you know, the day. And I also kind of called, you know, the centering prayer a no agenda prayer. It's not you talking. It's you allowing God, you know, to talk, you know, to you, uh, whatever message he, he has, you know, for you. Um, so you are just really there, you know, and allow yourself to be present, you know, to God. Sometimes I end up, you know, feeling in a state of consolation because I got a lot of it. But sometimes, you know, there isn't. And it's still, you don't make judgment of the 20 minutes that you're there. It's just the way, you know, it is. Sometimes the, the mind is like, you know, um, a re broken record in terms of you know, repetition of stuff, you know. You just take whatever it is that happens during, you know, that period mm -hmm. or time. Have you had experience of feeling that you've gotten direct messages or, or ways mm -hmm. of God speaking to you either through that um, time or um, as a result of that time? Yes, actually, um, it was not just a day, but I went to a critical crisis at the time when I was uh, uh, cutting off that or severing, you know, the relationship with this guy. And I was mad, you know, with God. And I was just really um, sat there for 20 minutes and all I had was lamentations, she would say, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, I cried. I said to him, I'm angry at you. Why are you doing this, you know, to me? Da, 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 da. And like I said, you know, it just, the message just didn't happen for that period of time, but it was an evolution. The message that came to me came out in a physical um, or medical, you know, uh, uh, results because I know that the relationship later on, I realized it was toxic and my whole system really absorbed it. And it came out in rushes all over my body from my neck down. And it came as small patches of itchy rushes mm -hmm. and I'll scratch it and it get, got bigger and bigger. You know, it, the biggest that I had, I think, was a quarter, you know, mm -hmm. and it was, and I was miserable for two years, mm -hmm. you know, doing all kinds of dermatology visits and ointment. And then I came upon, in a website, uh, they called 
Dead Sea salt. It mm-hmm. came, you know, from River Jordan, you know, and all that. And I soaked, you know, in it, you know. And it helped me, you know, disappeared, you know, from my skin. And I have no rashes. I have no trace of that now. When I look back, the message, you know, I got from all of this, you know, misery, physical, you know, medical, you know, issues and that was the toxin was so embedded in my system that I had to really clean it all out, not just, you know, from a spiritual aspect, but also, you know, from the physical aspect. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're all tied together, right? Your body, yes. your spirit, your, exactly. your emotions, your thoughts. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a miserable two years. I bet it was. <laughs> it was, you know. Yeah. I was so helpless and hopeless because I thought I was doing everything I need to do, you know, mm-hmm. uh, to clean my body, you know, from it. Uh, and then I forgot to mention, uh, at the height of all of these things, I was in a very bad car accident in Canada. Mm-hmm. And I... Of course, you know, I was so guilty, you know, and all that. And my family was telling me, it's an accident. You mm-hmm. didn't mean this to happen. But nothing of their, you know, um, words, you know, or, you know, yeah. uh, support helped. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But when I went to sleep that night, I was crying. And I just told God, I don't know what you want from me. I said, you know, you 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 did you have been doing you know all these things you took away the man although it was me who said no more you know and all you know that relationship i said and then you had all these things on my body i said what is it that you want from me and then i just you know after that i just found myself uh crying and and was put to sleep you know crying you know and all that and then i had a vision uh, a year or two ago, before the accident happened and all these things, I went to Holy Land, and uh, one of the places we visited was supposedly was a dungeon where Christ was left overnight. Uh, and, and it, when we went there, the the, gu- the guide turned off the lights, and it was really pitch dark, you know. And they said that that's when you know Jesus really, you know, was so. Helpless also, yeah. you know, and mm-hmm. I, I, I remember saying the, the lines, you know, why have you forsaken me? You know, mm-hmm. I, I said to him, to God, well, I am all yours. I surrender. I said, do whatever you want with me, mm-hmm. you know, and, and from there on, that's when, uh, I felt and I saw the healing process, you know, started. Yeah. Wow. It was just yeah. giving it up and yeah, stopping, up. stop telling me <laughs> he's the one in charge, not me. <laughs> and that's hard for us too. That's hard. That's hard yep. for us to trust. That's hard for us to give up control, mm-hmm. uh, to keep um, thinking that we're in charge. That's, that's a really difficult thing to do. Yeah. Uh, in the 12 step program, um, one of the the first um, step is surrender, and so you know I did not know all those relate how related they are. All I was just in this place where I can't do anything anymore, and so I said, you know, I surrender. Uh, 
By the way, one of the other things also that was helpful for me to be able to uh, let go of that unhealthy relationship was I found a book after I saw this guy for the last time on my way back to Illinois. I stopped at a bookstore to just, you know, uh, pass my time away. And a book literally fell off the shelf. And when I picked it up, <laughs> it said, how to stop your addiction to a person. It, it really hit me with a ton of brick and said, oh my gosh, you know, I am addicted to this guy. Right. Yeah, I was really. But at the time, you know, until I saw the book or it literally hit me on the head. <laughs> No coincidences. It's a no, divine intervention. No, no. no. He, he, I probably met, met my boundary or the end, you know, and says, I better hit this woman with a book. On her. Yeah, she's not listening. She's you not listening. Be more direct. <laughs> exactly. Um, so do you feel like engaging in those, uh, the centering prayer and the contemplative prayer has also helped you become a better listener yes. and to be less judgmental and more compassionate? Yes. Of course, you know, the first reaction whenever, you know, um, I come across, you know, women who are repeatedly, you know, involved with an unhealthy relationship. First thought, reaction is, how come she can't see it? And then all of a sudden, I'll see my face and say, you were there 40 years, you know? And mm -hmm. so I said, you know, be more patient. You know? mm -hmm. If God was patient, you know, with me, I should be more patient, you know, with, with them. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think engaging in that practice definitely helps. Some people call it the monkey mind. So get an out of your monkey mind. <laughs> Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so your book was uh, really, really amazing to read. And okay. I know I've just been fascinated, you know, when, when we were talking about being involved in the She Said Project and you getting up on a stage and telling your story and then being brave enough and committed enough to move forward with the writing process of this story and and your book is really the weaving of two stories it's it's your own personal story and the story mm -hmm. of how the labyrinth outreach services came to be and so what really was the inspiration for you to pull together these two stories and actually publish a book well like you know i said in my book also that I had no intentions to tell, you know, my story because I have a secret and the secret was this unhealthy, you know, relationship. And I had a reputation, you know, in the community as a clinician and I was afraid to be judged. And I was also embarrassed that for this many years, you know, I wasn't aware of my own, you know, addiction. And so, um, I was really hesitant, but my editor uh, asked me questions that helped me also, you know, to see that labyrinth outreach and the women and my life are all intertwined, you know. They were prisoners behind bars for what, for addiction or whatever, you know, uh, they had done criminally, 
but I was also a prisoner of my own, you know, unhealthy, you know, relationship, of my own, you know, perspective and not being able, you know, to see what God has really, you know, planned, you know, for me. So it happened almost, you know, simultaneously, I think. Well, I was already writing that part of my book and being honest of what had happened because I also found out that my life is not complete if I don't speak or, or narrate, you know, this big segment of my life, 40 years, you know, with this man. <laughs> it would be not, you know, uh, accurate if I did not, you know, include that. So with prayers also, I brought it to my centering prayer and asking God again, is this is something you want me, you know, to do? Help me because I am scared. And I don't want to, but if you want me to, give me the signs, you know, that you really want me to do it. The signs were not there in per se after, you know, I, you know, I had asked him. For me, God doesn't answer, you know, right away. Of course, you know, he's kind of like, trust me uh-huh. first, and yeah. then I will let you, you know, that this is the right way, you know. Mm-hmm. So my affirmation that this is what he wants me to do is to share that part. When my readers of my book and when I stood up in front of 300 people and tell my story on that program, that's what she said, people came to me, men and women, and thanked me for being honest and open with my attachment uh, addiction. And they told me that they feel empowered also now to walk away from something that has been overdue, you know, for them. Mm-hmm. Um, and for me, that is an affirmation that God wants me to include that, to include mm-hmm. my life in the book that I wrote. Of course, the first thought I had is, you know, I don't want people to think I'm, I'm boasting, you know, and all that, you know. Um, but I saw also, and Charlene again, you know, helped me to see that uh, being vulnerable is good and also can be very helpful, you know, to other people. I mentioned it, I think, in my book. The first, when I did my book signing at Crossroads, and I went back after two weeks to the store to return something, a woman in front of me uh, was also going to buy something from the store. So on the way out, she was also walking out. But, you know, she... I just had that casual conversation. I asked her, do you like crossroads? She says, yes, I buy this, I buy that, you know, here I come for the chocolate. She said, I do too. I said, and then, and then uh, she said, you know, I bought a book here two weeks ago. She says, <laughs> I want to meet the author. <laughs> so, so I said to her, what book did you buy? She says, Broken and Beloved. So I turned to her and says, I am the author. <laughs> it was at the height of COVID. <laughs> she wanted to hug me and I wanted to hug her too. <laughs> she couldn't, you know. But, right. um, and then she did really say to me, you gave me the strength to walk away, you know, from that uh, relationship, you know. And wow. I was just, I said, I could have been there another day and she could have been also in the store another day. I really see that God wanted me to be there. It's a win-win for her and me. Yeah. Is how I saw it, you know. Uh-huh. So. 
Yeah, that's amazing. That's definitely a God moment. God moment. <laughs> yeah. And and I do, I think there's so much power in being vulnerable and letting, um, letting others see that none of us are perfect. All of us struggle with something. Mm-hmm. And how do you feel that that's impacted the work that you've done, whether it's in the community or with other community organizers or with the people that you serve? How do you think that experience of being vulnerable helped those relationships? It deepens, you know, uh, my relationship with them. It doesn't stay anymore on the uh, level of work because you see now the person as a person, whether, you know, that person is struggling or in in a process of, you know, recovery. The RAST, R-O-S-C, Recovery Oriented Systems of Care, or, or care or in the community, uh, deals with recovering addicts here in the community. Uh, a month ago, I read an excerpt from my book, and it is about this unhealthy relationship. And it opened, again, you know, an, an idea, you know, not just to me, but to others, that addiction is not just about alcohol and drugs or sex or food, but it can also be an unhealthy relationship, you know, mm-hmm. such as mine, you know. Uh, and Again, you know, there is always something we are asked to let go so that we can become more our true self. Mm-hmm. And um, so I, I, I see that my story and my book and the things that I'm doing, you know, in the community are ways for me to empower, you know, the women and also all the other people who are struggling, you know, mm-hmm. uh, to find their own true self. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I, I really appreciate what you just said that you can be addicted to a variety of different things and it can be, it doesn't have to just be substances. It, it can mm-hmm. be relationships. It can be anything that anything. numbs you or distances mm-hmm. you from experiencing the, your true self and you, the fullness mm-hmm. of your life. Exactly. You know, all the, the negative feelings that we have, the, um, mm-hmm. what you were saying, the lamentation, the consolation, the, the good and the bad, we have to ex- mm-hmm. get to experience it all and not shut those parts of ourselves away. So yeah. um, I really appreciate your storytelling to show that addiction is, is not just, you know, something that other people do. It can be something yeah. in, in that you do everybody's too. life that I do. Yeah. Yeah, right now I think I'm a little bit addicted to my cell phone games. Because <laughs> <laughs> there's always something. I mean, we're asked to let go. Mm-hmm. It can yeah. be even you know uh, games on television or yeah. you know mm-hmm. something very subtle that mm-hmm. uh, stops us from using our time, you know, more productively mm-hmm. for whatever reason. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and really just distances you from yourself and other people. Mm-hmm. So um, you're just so amazingly deeply engaged in serving your local community of Bloomington Normal through so many collaborations mm-hmm. and lifting people up. So where are you being led next? What's, what's <laughs> 
kind of happening in your life and your community right now that you're engaged with? Well, currently, I my time has been consumed by the Extraordinary Women Project. We just ended our first quarter nomination uh, last Sunday. Oh, yeah. So it's really neat. And, and we're going to use this month to look over all the stories that were, you know, uh, sent to us. And I created um, some form of a judging uh, criteria where we are going to look at what kind of challenges, you know, this nominated nominee had. Her tenacity and perseverance amidst those, um, what lessons she learned, you know, from it and how it has impacted, you know, other people. Of course, you know, every story is special and unique. And we keep telling them that it's not a contest. You know, every story has a place, you know, in our social media. And still we have to come up with that story that we will feature uh, mm-hmm. quarterly. So what, that's why we have to um, use some form of judging it. Where will they be published? Where, published? Yeah, where uh, will you be kind of celebrating the stories yeah. and the feature stories? Yeah. The Pantograph has partnered with us. Since we started the nomination, opened the nomination in uh, September, a couple of months, August actually, um, the Pantograph has been running an ad, big ad. It's not just a small one like this, you know, in their, in their newspaper, encouraging, you know, people to nominate. So they will feature the, our, um, a woman, uh, story for that quarter. We'll also put it in our Facebook and website and other magazines here in the community. There's one in the South side and there's one in the West side, you know, of Bloomington. Mm. And, um, We'll also use radio and television to connect with and uh, run, you know, their stories, the stories of the women. Our vision is through these stories, the community will become stronger by addressing and highlighting the positive, you know, in, in the community. And every place we go when we talk about extraordinary women, we were always, you know, um, responded with, yes, I know someone, you know, that I can nominate. Two weeks ago, I was at Crossroads. We had our banner there and asking, you know, uh, people to nominate. And I was talking to one of the servers uh, in the cafe. And she looked at me and she says, that's my mom. She said, so I said to her, go ahead and nominate your mom, you know. Mm -hmm. So, um we did get a few people, you know, uh, we had this uh, business card that we pass around. It's very, very, very uh, easy for people to connect and find us. So, so we're, we're, we'll find them out through the nominations that we will have quarterly. We'll feature the stories. We'll have a certificate for them. We'll have a bouquet of flowers mm-hmm. and other women organizations already spoke to us and said, what can we do, mm-hmm. you know, for the uh, uh, featured story or woman? So I suggested maybe you can make, you know, a basket of things that a woman likes. Mm-hmm. Or maybe depending on the story, you know, that we chose or was featured, it may be a desire or a wish to go back to school 
Right. Yeah. And there's so, lots so, of opportunities. Yeah, there's a lot of possibilities mm-hmm. that, you know, that we can uh, celebrate uh, the, the woman's story quarterly. Mm-hmm. So my time is consumed with that, you know, uh, getting it, you know, um, stabilizing it more, uh, making it uh, well known in the community. Again, you asked earlier, how do you know that you're on the right track of what I feel the Lord asked me to do? A couple of things that came our way. MCLP, I don't know if you're aware of it, it's Multicultural Leadership Program here in, in Bloomington. Every year they will have uh, about <clears throat> 25 professionals and they attend a training for nine months, how to become servant leaders. Mm-hmm. Five people are assigned to a not-for-profit organization. So we wrote a grant and we asked, you know, if you could help us grow our, you know, project. Mm-hmm. And we won. We are one of the five. Oh, so wow. tonight at 4.15, they will present their uh, proposal of their project and we will critique it and, and, you know, and help them develop it more. Oh, that's so, awesome. yeah. So and I, again, I'm, another collaboration. Another collaboration, exactly. Mm-hmm. And they are there, you know, to help us. In the past, multicultural leadership program also helped labyrinths and dreams are possible. And they are just here in the community to uh, support, you know, um, start a project like ours. So I am, I am devoting a lot of time with, um, extraordinary, you know, women. We still need, uh, a few more women to sit on the board. Uh, there's one who is interested and she fills the gap of grant writing. She's mm-hmm. a grant writer. So mm-hmm. I feel, you know, uh, Kelly, that I don't have to be anxious and worried. I used to be like, mm-hmm. I have a thing in my mind and it's not happening or it's not, you know, showing me the direction, I get anxious. I'd still get anxious, but not as much, right. I would say. <laughs> yeah, and it goes back to the trust. And we'll yeah. put a link to the, the website, and if, you know, if there's people out there that are listening to the podcast that want to serve and support or volunteer, um, I'm sure they'll get in touch with you, and, and maybe somebody, something wonderful will come out of this podcast for you. I know, for you. I know. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I, I, it is, again, a win-win for mm-hmm. Everything spiritual, soul, you know, care. Mm-hmm. I really love that that phrase. Everything is spiritual. Mm-hmm. Yeah, everything is, and everything is. There's uh, the sacred and the secular are one and the yeah. same. Yeah. yeah, you just have to really, you know, look at it, you know, and you open your eyes to that it. possibilities. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I always like to close the interviews with kind of a series of rapid fire questions, uh-huh. and uh, you know, they're quick questions and quick answers just to get a little bit of a snip of a little bit more of who you are. So are you ready to go through them real fast? Okay. (laughs) Okay. So something that people get wrong about you. They think I'm a slave driver. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Um, What's your favorite or most spiritual or most meaningful spiritual practice right now? Lectio Divina. Mm -hmm. 
Um, where do you see the divine as the most alive for you in this season? Nature. In nature. Oh, there's my, um, in front of my house is the most beautiful red tree. And I don't remember it ever being (laughs) that beautiful in the past. Mm -hmm. And every time I back out of my driveway, I'm like, I need to capture a picture of that because (laughs) it's so amazing. Um, I don't, and I don't think we did fall last year. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So what's one thing in your life that might seem ordinary, but is sacred for you? You might laugh about this, but it is helping repack frozen meats and Panera bread every Friday morning at St. Vincent the Paul of Holy Trinity. <laughs> oh, no, that not at all. I don't think not that at that's, all. No, yeah. I think that's amazing. And um, we have a lot of Catholic churches have St. Vincent de Paul food pantries, uh-huh. and uh-huh. they always need volunteers uh-huh. to help them do that. So uh-huh. if you're listening to the podcast and you're looking for a volunteer opportunity, that's a fabulous one. And it is a sacred <laughs> thing. What are you deeply grateful for right now? Waking up every morning and um, be open to the possibilities uh, that the day brings. Mm. There's always, it's always surprised me. Mm -hmm. Um, And finally, name a book that you would recommend to the audience. I read this about a month ago and I sent it to my brother in the Philippines, the priest. It's JFK and the unspeakable, why he died and why it matters. Oh, wow. By James Douglas, and his Douglas has double S at the end. Okay. It's, it's a beautiful book. Of course, you know, I'm biased, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> Being the Catholic president. Or <laughs> <laughs> the first Catholic but, president. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, I, I know his personal life was yucky, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, there, yeah. you know, uh, it just shows how not perfect we are, you know, that we all have all those uh, rough edges. Mm-hmm. But I loved him all the more after reading the book I bet. because of the decisions he made. And in spite of knowing that he would be killed and people are plotting things. It's really very moving. Well, that sounds like a great winter read. So we'll put a link to that in the show notes as well. So thank you so much for talking with me. I really appreciate it. Um, Just going through your story and some of the insights. And you just are such an infectious, uh, joyful, and engaged person. And I really am glad to have an opportunity to meet you. How can people get in touch with you or some of the the groups that you work with? My email. Mm-hmm. It's sebastianfailey19 at gmail.com. And of course, if they want to be in touch with what we do at Extraordinary Women, it is through our website, the Extraordinary Women Project BN.org. Okay. Uh, and we have a Facebook. We got an intern. That's the other uh, thing I was going to add, I forgot, was we were looking for an intern and we couldn't find one from ISU. And this woman, you know, a new graduate from, and she's so wholesome. 
She's taking mm. care of our Facebook and other social media. Just the right person to do it. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. yeah. Again, yeah. when 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 there's a need, God provides. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And, well, we'll definitely and he sends the right person. <laughs> sends the right person to do the job. Yeah. Um, yes. So I'll make sure to put all your contact information in the show notes. So Thank again, you. if people want to contact you or find out more about these amazing projects and organizations, they can do so. Thank you. Thank you. And I also want to thank you, Kelly. I said uh, in our first conversation that God bring people to my life and you are one of those, you know, uh, you're also, I, I feel I'm, you bring God to our conversation also. And it's not something that, you know, you cover from, we're so, I like that connection that we can talk about God and not being judged, you know, or we can talk about anything else, you know, and uh, you make people also feel at ease, you know, I love that, you know, I love also your smile. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you, thank you, Um, and I hope one of these days that you, um, when you're in the area, that you can stop by and visit Soul Care, and I invite all of our listening audience to come visit us in Urbana as well. Yeah, I would love to do that. Yeah, I'll make time for it. I'd like wonderful. To see well, I would love sitting on our on our um, big blue couch and having a cup of tea and talking some uh-huh. more because I think we could waste away an afternoon doing that. <laughs> we could. <laughs> okay. Well, thanks so much. Thank you too, and you have a good day. All right. <laughs> so Feely shared a lot about contemplative prayer specifically a practice called Centering Prayer and Lectio Divinia. And I think that those kind of prayer practices are a really good way to supplement a current way of praying with words or to try something new. So every Friday, I do a mini retreat at Soul Care teaching different contemplative prayer practices. And so you can come in and learn a little bit about the history and background of specific practice, get some prompts about how to carry out that practice, and then enjoy a quiet pod and some quiet time to try it out and process it and talk about it with me at the end. So if you're interested in a contemplative prayer mini retreat, go on our website and check it out. Thank you for listening to Everything is Spiritual and taking time to nourish your soul. Tune in each week for a little community and a lot of conversation or subscribe in your favorite podcast app so that you don't miss our next episode. For more resources around spiritual exploration, restoration, and transformation, be sure to sign up on our mailing list at experiencesoulcare.com. Visit our website for information on retreats, workshops, and services from our partners. Or better yet, come visit our welcoming space in Urbana to say hi and get a steaming cup of tea. Soul Care Urban Retreat Center is a warm, welcoming, and accessible place for you to refresh, renew, and restore your mind, body, heart, and soul. We set a great big table, and everyone is welcome. Until next week, be well.